Good morning. It is Healthy Matters on a Sunday morning. My name is Susie Jones, and along with me, as always, Dr. David Hilden of Hennepin Healthcare. Good morning, Dr. Hilden. How are you? Good morning, Susie. I'm doing well, thank you. It's been a good week down at the hospital, good week in, uh, in the Twin Cities here. Have you had a good week? Yeah, real good week. Uh, we're going to have a crazy high temperature today. That'll be kind of interesting. We get these, though, now and again, those September days that pop in. I know. I'm going to be working out in my yard, I think, a little bit. I laid some sod last week, you know, because the drought pretty much took out my yard. Mm-hmm. My yard isn't very big. You know, it's maybe, it's little. I can mow it in 20 minutes with a mower that doesn't even have a motor, you know, just a push mower. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty small, but it's getting smaller by the by the day here as I keep shrinking it down. And we can, the gardens keep getting bigger and the grass keeps getting smaller because I'm losing the endless battle against the sod. I know. <laughs> I have a half a brown lawn myself. and. Good news is I don't really care. That's my thing. Well, that's my, kind of us, too. <laughs> my neighbors all care deeply about their lawns, and I'm like, uh, sorry. I know. No one's going to mistake ours for a golf course, I'll tell exactly you that. Exactly right. gardens are very lovely. <laughs> they are. So <laughs> and they do better. They do. So we want to say hello, uh, thank you to Margaret this morning. You know yeah, Margaret's a Margaret's a listener. She called in and has been talking to us every now and then. I like to give a shout out to the listeners. Margaret, oh. thanks, thanks for being a listener. Uh, I hear about it all the time. Barely a week goes by when I don't. Somebody doesn't grab me in the hallways of the hospital, or a patient, mm. or somebody calls in about something or other. And so every now and then we just like to give a little shout out, Margaret. Thanks for listening. We usually use just first names around here, but well, that's important. I didn't say a last name, did I? We didn't give no, your you address, didn't. did we? No, you didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't give your address. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. Every now and then, I'll get a patient. Um, I'll get a call from one of my colleagues in the hospital, and this happened just about a couple of weeks ago. And there was a woman who was not doing well. She was in our emergency department in a stave room. I don't know. I don't remember what she had. In fact, I don't even know what she had. She was having a stroke or a heart attack or something big. Mm. And so she's in our stabilization room, which, which kind of looks like the TV shows of ER or something where there's people running, there's bells and whistles going <gasps> off and there's 10 people around and the patient's in the middle and they're doing all this stuff. Mm. And she had, she had, was a listener to the show. Uh. And so in the midst of all this, she asked one of the doctors, you know, do you know this guy who does this radio show? Could I, and I happened to be in the building, they paged me. So oh. I came down in the middle of all of this and I'm not dressed in scrubs like everybody else. I waltzed in there and I chatted with her just face to face from a foot away and she goes, I listen to the show every week. And oh. I said, well, you're you're going to do great. So I do hear from listeners all the time, even those who are having a rough moment in their life. They, Isn't that they, sweet? <laughs> they still say, well, I listen to the show on exactly. CCO every Sunday morning. Hey, I want to tell I want to tell people about um, a thing we're celebrating this week before we get into open lines. And okay. it is an open line show. Yep, yep. Um, and before we do that, I want to tell people about our nurse midwife program because there's a special event going on this week. This is the 50th anniversary of nurse midwifery in at Hennepin. And we were the first hospital-based midwife program in Minnesota. And this was 50 years ago this week. And so um, this we have a legacy of treating, uh, uh, caring for, and with expectant mothers, and they they receive outstanding care by our nurse midwives. 
on spiritual and culturally sensitive childbirth. Their values, their traditions are are valued. And nurse midwives at Hennepin have attended 30,500, 30500, over 30,000 births to date at Hennepin. And there is an event this coming Saturday. And I'm hopeful that people, um, if you're, maybe you were born there. Maybe one of the nurse midwives birthed you. Maybe you know one of them. But it's this Saturday. It's got a little outdoor event. Masks will be required. But check it out at hennepinhealthcare.org slash nurse hyphen midwives. hennepinhealthcare.org slash nurse hyphen midwives. It's a great, great program. I know many of them, and they're just awesome. Yeah, it's an interesting um, tradition uh Practice, you know, it does date back to the beginning of childbirth, right? To have someone there that kind of understands what's going to be happening. Exactly. I think it's um, and in our nurse midwives programs, they'll deliver they deliver your baby with you. So midwives have been delivering babies just like you said, Susie, for thousands of years. This is not something we invented. Um, they, it is actually a very uh, natural, normal process, and nurse midwives just get it. Mm-hmm. They get it. But the, the what's different about our program is that they do have at the ready, they do have a hospital with emergency backup for you. Maybe you're delivering at a birth center, maybe you're at home, or they deliver here in the hospital. And uh, But they do it. There's not a doctor present, but there's one in the building if you need one. And so the nurse midwives are just a fabulous program. I don't know anybody who's delivered their baby with a nurse <laughs> midwife who wasn't happy that they did. That's awesome. So, so yeah. you said we have open phones, Oh, people are calling already, 651-461-9226. And just also want to make sure that um, people are getting the COVID vaccine, correct? I mean, this is exactly. so important as we are still in this pandemic and probably will be for uh, maybe years to come. You know, oh, our talent, time. but um, it is always so important to get that vaccine. Absolutely. There's two or three of you out there who haven't yet. I'm kidding. There's a few more of you that haven't yes. yet. If you need help help getting them, you can get them darn near anywhere now. So it's like it's not where it's not finding them is going to be a problem. If you need any help, if you want to come down and get it at any of the Hennepin facilities, again, go to HennepinHealthcare.org. There's plenty of places you can find right there at HennepinHealthcare.org to um, find out more about your vaccine. It is still the number one way to keep ourselves safe. And, and uh, um, we're hopeful that 100% of the people who are eligible will go ahead and get that done. Very good. It is 7.15. Dr. Heldon, we'll take a quick break. We've got a number of people on the phones right now waiting to ask you questions, as you might expect. Again, the number is 651-461-9226. This is an open phone opportunity for you. If you have a question about yourself or a loved one, please feel free to call and ask the doctor your question. It is 16 minutes now past 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Healthy Matters on a Sunday morning. Hope you're having a good one so far. Fair sky, 66 degrees. It's going to be a hot one today, so be aware of that. Dr. David Hilden, your host of Healthy Matters, and we are having what's called open lines. That means anything you have a question about, I guess, within reason, right? You don't want to, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to perform open heart surgery over the phone. But. I could talk to you about it, but I'm not going to perform it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Gary in St. Louis Park. Gary, you are on the air with Dr. Hilton. Good morning. Um, Dr. Hilton, I'm 67 years old. I'm fully vaccinated, and I fully intend to get the booster shot if and when it, it gets approved. At that point, would you get on a cruise ship? 
cruise ships are that one of those that I'm just wondering about, Gary. Uh, uh, I was about to say this is you're doing everything right. Uh, uh, you're and when you do everything right, you get in your vaccines, you get to have nice things. It does work. It really does work. And so I, I'm telling people, you do that, you can go to a restaurant again, and you can go to events, and you can do it. You are minimizing your risk. Cruise ships might be one of the more risky things, however. Uh, if So what I would tell you is all we can do is reduce risk. So if you're going to take a cruise, I would for sure make sure that the people you are around are vaccinated and that when you're on the ship that you stay in uh, – outdoor areas and when you're masked that or when you're indoors you stay masked that might sound harsh but you just a cruise ship is such an enclosed space on the indoor spaces and you simply can't tell uh who else has it so i would say that's one of your riskier things to do i might think twice about it but if you do go it's okay to uh it's okay uh, you just need to take maybe a couple extra precautions get a kn95 mask or get N95 masks, and I would wear those when you're in indoor places on the ship and try to stay outdoors as much as you can. All right, Gary, thank you for that call. Let's go to Nancy next. Nancy is calling for me. Dinah, uh, you're on the air with Dr. Hilton. Good morning. I just wanted to give a shout-out to the doctor for coming to speak with us to our up, upcoming October 20th downtown Next Generation Lions Club for a few minutes. We really appreciate that. Aww. Absolutely, Nancy. I'll be out there in uh, later next month. I can't wait to can't wait to meet the group. That's fantastic. Yeah, October 20th in Normandy. Yep. See you then. Thank you so much. And Dr. Hilton, you do that occasionally? You go around to the community and sort of talk about whatever your work at the hospital as well as other topics people are interested in? I, I do that sometimes. I, I used to do a series at Hennepin County Libraries. I was out there and uh, that was pre-pandemic because uh, we haven't done as many in-person things as of late. And sometimes I do it to uh, government employees down at the at the government center and churches and the things. I haven't done much lately because, well, heck, none of us are going out much lately. That's right. I know. We're still sort of easing our way back we're into all in our this. basements. I know. <laughs> Hopefully we're starting to come up and go outside. Jana is up next calling from Buffalo today with a question for you. Hi, Jana. Hi. Good morning. It's a pleasure to talk to both of you. I listen to you guys all the time. So... My question is, I live in a multi-generational home. My dad is 86, I'm 55, and then I have a 50-year-old brother. And we've all been vaccinated, but we got hit with the virus, and it has hit us hard this week. Um, my dad's back in the hospital for the second time this week, and I feel like I just have a really nasty cold. Um, as far as hospital treatments, what... And he has COPD and some heart issues and things, and I'm pretty sure that is what has really been acerbated by the virus. What are some of the treatments that are being used in the hospitals? What about, like, ivermectin and stuff like that? And as far as being at home, is there anything I can help to reduce these cold-like symptoms or just what we would normally do for a cold? Yeah, right. great question. So, what you're what you're describing is pre- kind of exactly what happens to vaccinated people of your age group. Um, so people in their fifties uh, get a, what feels like they're just 
exhausted and you might be exhausted for a few weeks and you get these upper head symptoms that feel like the really, really bad cold. And that is what COVID is like for someone who's been vaccinated. In other words, you get an illness and you're going to get better. Um, the vast, vast, vast majority of people are going to get better. Had you not been vaccinated, you likely would have been in the hospital as well. Your brother probably as well. You would have been in the hospital. So the vaccine probably kept you out of the hospital. Your dad's a different story, though. He's in his mid to late 80s, and he has underlying health conditions, primarily heart and lung disease. And so those put him at higher risk. So that is, um, without a vaccine, he could have been deathly ill. Hopefully he's not, and he's going to get better. That's what we're all going to hope for. And that can, that is still the most likely outcome if you get vaccinated. What are they doing in the hospitals? First of all, you'll be given oxygen if you have COVID in the hospital. You'll be put in an isolation room so that you can, so the hospital staff is protected as much as they can be. And then we do a few things. You'll, he'll likely, if he needs oxygen, he'll likely be given an anti-inflammatory steroid. He will likely be given a medication called remdesivir. And then there are things called monoclonal antibodies that might be helpful for him as well. Those are showing a great deal of promise where you're actually given antibodies um, through your vein. Uh, we do not use ivermectin. That is a, that's a myth. That doesn't do anything. Um, and so uh, uh, I've been asked for ivermectin in the hospital for people who are about to, uh, who, are, who have had COVID, and there's no data that that does anything. We have sometimes given ivermectin for patients when they have worms, parasitic worms, or if they're at high risk for getting parasitic worms. But it's a treatment for worms. It is not a treatment for COVID. So um, anything you're reading about ivermectin, if anybody out there is reading about ivermectin on the Internet, it is false. There is not any evidence that it does anything. So please don't don't uh, uh, don't take any ivermectin right now. It does have it's a relatively safe drug in human doses, but people are getting it from veterinary supply stores, and it's not safe in that in that that form. So, I and and finally, I hope your whole family is doing well. You're doing the right things, and so uh, I I hope they all get better, and I'm confident they, that they probably will. All right. You are listening to Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden is on our news line, and we have your calls, open phones all morning. Uh, we do have a number of texts coming in as well, Dr. Hilden, and I'll just read. People are asking about the booster shot and when they got their first vaccine and when a booster shot should be done and when they'll be available. Do you know much about the booster shots? Yeah, this is the evolving story. I think it's likely at some point that we'll probably all be getting a booster shot, but I don't know that for sure. It's still too early to know um, should the general public be getting a booster shot. Most of us are coming down on the side of it's probably not needed yet. Your your protection, regardless of which of the three vaccines you got, is really good. And it is probably of ma only marginal help to get a booster shot for the for the average person. Now, for people who have immunocompromised conditions, autoimmune disorders, if you're on medications like for cancer, a booster shot is is something you should be getting now. And I think what we'll be seeing is that people at high risk, like people with on immunosuppressant medications and cancer patients and other high risk people, will continue to get booster shots. Perhaps, I think, older adults, and I think that we're going to be seeing in the relatively near future, adults over age 65 will likely be getting a booster in the next few weeks or months, and everybody else we might just have to wait. It is probably not needed yet. 
but the yet is a big is a big uh, a big caveat there. I think we'll all be getting them in the in the long term future. Very good. We're going to take a quick break for some traffic, not traffic for some weather. That's what we're going to do, and a couple of paying the bill items, and we'll be back with your questions and text on Healthy Matters on WCCO. Good morning. It is Healthy Matters on a Sunday morning, 732. I'm Susie Jones, Dr. David Hilden from Hennepin Healthcare, and we are taking your calls and your texts. 651-461-9226 is the number to call. If you have a question, you can also text at that exact same number, 651-461-9226. Um, Dr. Hilden, uh, we are having a couple of calls and a text about COVID. And also this person writes this morning. Good morning. I have a, uh, I have a small tear in my, I don't know, labrum doing uh, labrum, labrum. There you go. Stabilizing the hips so far. So good. I'm still not feeling a catch. Uh, does it ever heal? That's the question. Yeah, uh, a lab- your labrum is in your hip. It, so your hip is a ball and a joint. Think of like put your fist into your round, the cupped round hand of your other hand if you make a fist and then put it in the cupped, your other hand. Your other hand is the labrum. It's the socket that is part of your pelvic um, bone. It's made up of cartilage. It can get torn. That cartilage can get torn when you're doing things like running, soccer, golf. A lot of the twisting things will do it, like baseball, softball. Maybe you play in a recreational softball league or or maybe you don't do any of those things and it's just from your walking. A tear in the labrum can often just be treated with physical therapy. And like this texter is saying, they're trying to stabilize it. And so, um, and that's all you need to do is physical therapy, maybe take some ibuprofen or some things like that. But it doesn't always heal that way. If it's a bad, a bad tear, then you might need surgery. We don't jump to surgery right away. So for this texter, you're asking if it ever is going to heal. It almost always does. But sometimes if it's a bad tear, you might need surgery. So make sure you're seeing an orthopedic surgeon uh, um, if it's been weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and it's not getting better. All right. You might want to see a surgeon. This texter writes in, I had an endoscopic, endoscopic. You know what I'm talking about. Endosco- uh, yeah, and yeah, no, endoscopy. I, got, <laughs> I found yeah, I out I, it too. I have a moderately thickened gastric fold in the cardia, some with small polyps. So the question is, um, is this a serious condition? Yeah, Greg, you should from all- Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your text, Greg. You should always look into polyps in your stomach. We should look into them everywhere, but, you know, they're often found in your colon on colonoscopy, and then they snip them off and they're gone, and they check to see if they're precancerous. In the stomach, you want to do that as well. So if you have an endoscopy and they're doing a biopsy and they're they're nothing but just folds of your stomach, your stomach has lots of folds. It's not a smooth lining. It, It has, when you look at it from the inside, when it's not distended, it has folds in it, and maybe you just have some thickened um, folds, but you need to look into that. Stomach cancer does exist. It is not that uncommon. And if you have polyps or or real thickened places of your stomach that aren't normal, they should check those with a biopsy to make sure it's not stomach cancer. All right. Again, it's 651-461-9226 for a text or a call. Let's go to David on line three from Eden Prairie. Good morning, David. You're on the air with Dr. Hilton. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. Um, (laughs) My circumstance is... Hunting season coming up, 
we have a small cabin. Um, I'm surrounded by anti-vaccine people, including a brother. He, a year ago in November, had COVID bad enough that he was on oxygen for three weeks. Now we've got a year later, and he's taken a test. He said he has, he was uh, loaded with um, antibodies. Antibodies, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so the question is your <laughs> advisement for myself around persons such as him that um, just refuse the vaccine and um, yeah. would be outside for most of the time, but there would be times in the indoors. So, right, right. Yeah. Thanks, David. Your thoughts, Dr. Hilden? Well, well. so your brother's, um, uh, first of all, he should get the vaccine. I, I have to say it straight up. He needs to get the vaccine, but he is not, it is still, he does have some protection. It is true um, for whether or not you got the vaccine. If you had COVID and you have antibodies, that your body is doing a natural immune response. And there is some protection for that. And I think if doctors like me don't acknowledge that, we're not being fully honest. There is some protection from getting the actual infection. In fact, that's how we're going to get out of this pandemic. The combination of those who got the vaccine and those who got the infection are going to make our, that's how you reach herd immunity if that thing ever exists. Yeah. Um, so, so he has some protection. That being the case, he is at risk. He did not get the Delta variant. If he got it last November, it wasn't the Delta variant. It was a, he got a wussier version of coronavirus. The virus is a bigger, badder, stronger thing now. So he is not safe as, as he thinks he is. So he should get it vaccinated, and I and I would not recommend being indoors with a person in that situation. Despite his some immunity that he has, stay outdoors, mask while indoors, and he needs to get the vaccine because his natural protection against the Delta variant is in some question. All right, let's go to Judy next. Judy is on line two in Delano. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. I'm. We had the two Moderna shots in February and March. My husband is 82. I'm 70. Um, which booster do we get? Do we stay with Moderna or is I've heard that it's better to go to Pfizer? Yeah, those are good questions, Judy. But um, right now it's and you'll be in that group that likely will get a booster in just the coming weeks, probably. And I would just get the Moderna again there. It is uh, we simply don't know. Uh, which one you should get next. There is some suggestion that getting the other one would be helpful, but that's mostly for folks who got the J&J one because the the J&J one works so differently from the Moderna and the Pfizer one. It is not the case. The Moderna and the Pfizer ones are both mRNA vaccines, and so it probably doesn't make much difference. You don't think it's going to be harmful, but I think the recommendation will be for you to get the Moderna one again. All right, very good. Charlie is next on line four. Charlie is calling this morning from Apple Valley. Go ahead, you're on the air. Yes, I have a question for the doctor. I was just in for a physical, and he says my A1C is at 6.7, which is, I believe, diabetes. What's my next step from here? Yeah, Charlie, you uh, you have just 
nudged your way into the diabetes range. A, a hemoglobin A1C of 6.5% or higher is indicative of diabetes. It's mild in your case. So you should, first of all, become educated about diabetes. They have diabetes educators um, at all clinics that I'm aware of. Go online to the Diabetes Foundation if you'd like to learn more. Uh, but your first step is to work on diet, exercise, weight loss, if you happen to be carrying some extra weight. If you lost 5% of your weight, you might, your diabetes might go away. If you're a, if you're an overweight guy, if you're already kind of a slender guy, weight loss might not help. So eat right, fewer carbohydrates, fewer things like uh, the white sugars, the white starches, potatoes, rice, uh, pasta, bread. Those All my favorite things. You. Yeah, you, those aren't <laughs> as good for you. You might want to start a medication called metformin. Your next step would be a medication called metformin. Usually we ask people to try diet and lifestyle for a few months first, then you start the medicine metformin. So that's those would be your next steps. You're, you're a long ways away from needing the other things beyond that, like insulins and all that. But diet, exercise, consider metformin. We can all use a little more exercise and a little greener diet, can't we? Yep. The, the, the rich greens and orange foods are good for you. <laughs> orange ones too, squash, carrots, things like that. And that's all starting to come up. My neighbor grew squash in one of my... I love it's butternut time. squash. Oh, Ooh. it's time. Yep. It's Even time. though I do put um, brown sugar butter. in butter. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet you put butter on your butter. Okay, I do too. It's That's okay. We're okay, going to go good. with that's okay. We're still going to eat that squash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike is calling from Roseau. Boy, oh boy, way up north. Hi, Mike. You're on the air with Dr. Hilden. Hi, good morning. Uh, I have a question about uh, diabetes. I'm a type 2 diabetic and I have... Uh, have a freestyle sensor, the kind of sensor you put on the back of your arm to take blood sugar readings. And sometimes uh, I do uh, blood sticks also. And uh, uh, sometimes those readings are like 50 apart, 50 points. And uh, how do you make any kind of uh, uh, diagnosis or treatment uh, options? Uh, yeah. The, the, those are good questions, Mike. Um, what? Here's what's probably going on. Your blood sugars fluctuate wildly during the day. All of ours do, from somewhere around 70 to well over 200. If you just eat a big you know, candy bar, a big meal of potatoes or something, your blood sugars are going to skyrocket. That happens to all of us. In di- people with diabetes, they, they just stay high. So it could be that just normal fluctuations on the freestyle is, fi- is 50 different from your finger stick just because of normal fluctuations. It could be that the, the units are just slightly miscalibrated. But the point is this, as long your your diabetes um, blood sugar control is more of a trend over time that matters. As long as they're not too low, if they're below 70, that's too low right now. You need to go eat something. And as long as they're not 500, which is well too high, it's okay to have those fluctuations day to day during the day between that 70 and, and 200 range. And that part I wouldn't worry about. What I'd worry about is what is your A1C, like on that previous caller, an A1C measures what you are over time. And, and uh, I wouldn't worry as much about it unless they're consistently high or consistently low. So I would so uh, th- I think that's the best I could say on that one. It's either normal variations, uh, or perhaps your machines aren't exactly calibrated to each other. But they're never going to be identical. I would worry about the long-term trends, not so much the individual readings. So we've got a couple of texts from people, kind of a similar, a similar idea. 
someone says they are immune compromised. I just got a Moderna booster. Is it safe to travel to Arizona? That's one. And then another uh, have both vaccinations in March and February. Do you think we can go to the Gopher game? Thank you from a loyal listener. So these are some of those same types of questions about you know, inside, outside, and masks. Yeah, the what can you do? Yeah. Everything is about risk mitigation. You know, nothing is perfect and nothing is horrible. Well, some things are horrible, but we can't make we can't make it zero risk. So it's all about lowering your risk. Travel can be done safely if you've got your vaccines and you wear a mask on the airplane and you're going to visit family or friends in Arizona. I would say go ahead and do that. The vaccines are allowing you to do that. I would avoid going to a raver party on an indoor club where you're shoulder to shoulder hanging on each other, sweating and screaming. I wouldn't do that. Okay. Now go for a game. Um, Most of us are saying it's okay to do outdoor events. Uh, There is some controversy with that, but there comes a point when we have to, we have to accept some risk. It is not risk-free, but it is outdoors. And if you're vaccinated, I've been telling people it's okay to have nice things. You can do some things. I went to a twins game, for instance. Now, granted, it wasn't as crowded as maybe the gopher game is, but I, but it is not zero risk. But if you are vaccinated, uh, then it is uh, it, you can minimize the risk. I would wear a mask when you're in the restrooms or on the concourses. That's what I would suggest there. Now, some people will disagree with, with me on that and say, you can't, you can't go to those. You can't go to an outdoor gopher game. Well, I think it's just your personal level of, of what you can tolerate as risk. It is lower risk if you're vaccinated. All right. It is 746. Man, this hour flies by. We'll take a quick break right here, but I want to remind folks it's 651 651- Four six one nine two two six six five one four six one nine two two six and a texter texted, is this the text line? So yes, you did get the text line. It's the same number now, which is actually pretty slick. So we can get your information to the doctor quite quickly. So we'll be back with a lot more of your texts and calls here on Healthy Matters on WCCO on this Sunday morning. Dr. Hilden, it is Healthy Matters on a Sunday morning. Susie Jones, Dr. Hilden, Dr. David Hilden, Healthy Matters. Just wanted to pop this in. Good to hear the midwife program getting recognition. My two sons were born in that program, one in 1979, the second in 1991. So appreciate the expert experience. So that is a nice kudos to the hospital and the work you guys do. Oh, thank you so much for mentioning that. And if you, if uh, those of you who are tuning in, um, not from the very beginning here, I did mention that the nurse midwife program is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the program of being the first one in a major hospital system. Last week, we talked about our integrative health system um, being the first one in the 70s of a ma- in a major hospital system. HCMC, Hennepin, Hennepin Healthcare, was also the first to have a midwife program. We are celebrating our 50th year this coming Saturday with an open house and an outdoor location down in our downtown campus. Go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash nurse hyphen midwives to learn more. If you want to come down and meet some of the midwives, they are an incredible group of people who are providing prenatal and childbirth experiences that are so outstanding of a culturally sensitive way, listening to the needs of expectant mothers, go to check it out at hennepinhealthcare.org slash nurse hyphen midwives. Let's get a couple calls in. We have about two or three minutes left. Pete, you are next with Dr. Hilden. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, I suffered a back injury back in 
February 8th this year and went to the chiropractor. They said that it was a muscle spasm, so I went had treatments there five times with them. And then they said that's all they could do. And then I had an MRI done, and they diagnosed the guy told me that I had a extruded disc. And at this point, I don't know what to do. Should I try an injection, or am I going to need surgery? And if I have surgery, am I going to be normal again after this? I do feel pain in my leg. Yeah, it's a great question. So low back pain from a, a herniated disc. Your disc is bulging. Your discs are little shock absorbers between the bones of your spine. And one of them can bulge out. They're sort of mushy, unlike the, the bone itself. The good news is the vast majority, like 90% of people, pain gets better without surgery. And so that's the first thing. You should just do gentle exercise, stretching, physical therapy, chiropractic. All those things are okay to try. I would suggest acupuncture. A lot of people get results with acupuncture, massage therapy, all of those before surgery. I would wait one, two, three, four, six months before I did surgery because it gets better in most people. The only time I would rush into a surgery is if you're having um, um, incontinence of your bladder because that's a more of an emergency or if you're having true weakness of your legs, not just numbness, but weakness. You can't lift your leg. Then you should go to surgery sooner. All right. We have two minutes. Let's go to Tim next in Edina. Tim, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Yes. Um, I've had the Pfizer shots back in February and March. Now I have just, I, I was going through a pre-op operation for a biopsy on my bladder, but I went in for a testing and I tested positive. What are, uh, for my COVID, what should I expect over the next uh, two weeks? Yeah, yeah, we test people, all people, um, and, and you got what's called a breakthrough infection, but you didn't even know about it. So that is what's, uh, you can probably go right ahead with your surgery. It's more for them to, or your biopsy. It's more for them to know how to, to make sure they mask up and do all the right things. Talk to the, the person doing your bladder biopsy, your urologist. They'll give you more information. You are likely to not, not get sick because you are vaccinated, but be prepared. You might have a little fever, chills, um, kind of symptoms if you have that. Make sure you tell your urologist. It, All right. But, but you should be able to go ahead, I think. That's great. So, Dr. Hilden, before we wrap up, how, how can people find you? All right. Thanks, Susie. Uh, you can always get a hold of us at hennepinhealthcare.org, hennepinhealthcare.org. That's the website. My picture's on there. There's information about COVID, uh, anything you want to know. You can learn about the nurse midwife program, hennepinhealthcare.org. Or if you need a doctor, want to get into our clinics all over the Western Metro area, Check us out at 612-873-MY-MD, 612-873-6963. And I hope everybody has a great week. Very good. Thanks for being a part of our Sunday morning, Dr. Hilton. It is always a joy, always a pleasure. And thanks for ev- to everyone who got involved and participated and asked questions. We'll see you all back here next Sunday morning on Healthy Matters.